Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. Hello there, I'm Paul Shahidi, also known as the Reverend Francis Seaton in this country, and you're listening to WTAF. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow? This is just ridiculous. What? The actual fuck. Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of this country podcast, number 31 in the Netherlands Apple Podcast TV and film chart. First question before we do anything else why is it now Netherlands instead of Holland? Uh, ah. Hello, uh, no, sorry, first of all, hello, Neil. How are hello, you? Pav. And welcome to our lovely guest, the one and only Sally Hughes. Hello, Sally. Hey, hello, Sally. And, uh, and as we need someone with some brains, I will ask Sally, do you know why it's Netherlands now instead of Holland? I don't. I, I don't. I always assume it's something World War II related, but that's just me being lazy. I don't know. No. I can I'm, answer it. Oh, sorry, Neil. I, I should never have <laughs> doubted you in the first place. Go on, now, I, this is actually came up the other day on the radio. Apparently it's to do with Holland is only to do with two areas of the Netherlands is called Holland and then it became known as Holland all over whereas Netherlands is the whole of the country well thank you thank you very much Neil so is it a bit like calling Britain England yes there you go well that was that was a niche I thought I wasn't going to be able to scratch and now you've done that (laughs) for me so thank you very much that's a pleasure come to me with anything else I'm here all day Okay. Uh, right. Before we go on with our top Trump's um, character for this week, we've got the scores for Rob Robinson for last week. Oh, uh, interesting. So, so these are the scores. Got Range, 27. Peeper, 34. Random Acts of Kindness, 18. Cockwomble, 61. And Having a Laugh, 20. So not a spectacular card, which no. pretty much goes with who Rob Robinson was, really. Very forgettable. Very forgettable. Right. Uh, Neil, do you have a um, backstory for the one and only Reverend Francis Seaton? I certainly do. Go on, then. If you're sat comfortably, I will begin. Give us your little bit, then. Yes, so here we go. Francis grew up in Devon and was soon sent off to boarding school at the earliest opportunity. He was a quiet student who was very academic, 
from school, he went on to Oxford University to study theology. And it was on this course he met Richard and Steve, and the three of them formed the Nice Guys. From there, they had a few releases, the biggest being the good guy, before they retired themselves from the music scene. They managed to at least get a support slot with Blumange on their UK tour. After completing and passing all of his exams and qualification, Francis became Reverend Francis Seaton of the Berwick-upon-Thames region. From there, he moved to the village where he met Kerry and Curtin and the adventures began that we all know. So what of Reverend Francis now? Well, from what I hear, he's still in Bristol, but he has become a minor celeb from the TV documentary doing a slot on... Uh, doing so well on TV. He's got a slot on Pause for Thought on the weekly show with Zoe Ball, and he has his own weekly radio show on Sunday nights for BBC Bristol. It is believed he is in talks to appear on the BBC's new talent show, Let the Cloth Entertain. (laughs) And that's as far as I know. (laughs) That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Sally, have you got any, uh, any insight into what Francis Seaton has been doing or was doing? So I decided that the Rev had worked in a, in sales at a Diazzi dealership in Lincoln, <laughs> had failed to hit sales targets for the fifth consecutive quarter, twice had people go for test drives and not come back. And on the morning of his performance review, he had a religious vision and resigned before he was sacked. Followed the vision, formed his own cult, never had more than three members and one of those was his mum, disbanded it, became a Buddhist monk, Didn't work out, so he converted to Judaism, had goes at Islam, Sikhism, Catholicism, (laughs) Wicca, the Swedenborgians, and the Jediism, before finally, of course, settling on Satanism. But with his own inclusive, kindly twist, Coffee Mornings, called it Satanism. (laughs) Following his divorce, got the job in Kerry and Curtin's Paris, just keeps the devil stuff on the down low, but has a pentangle under the carpet in his office. Nice. I love it. I love it. And the trouble is now, you can never look at him the same after thinking that there is a all that's going on under the surface. Well, how astute was Curtin in what he said about the vicar? Yeah. About the devil. Indeed. Well, that gives us a lot to think about, and maybe it might change our scores a little bit as well with that. Um, Right, so I've gone... uh, We know a lot about Francis's history, be it his large shoulder pads, his very fragile car roof, and his netball position, but not many know about his very near-successful career in music. He, of course, revealed to Kerry and Curtin that he was a member of the Nice Guys and they recorded a song called Good Guy. But that wasn't Francis's first attempt at the charts. He has been on numerous bands, uh, sorry, in numerous bands from an early age and in various types of music. He was in a jazz fusion band called Droops Loops Band of Loops, an experimental Euro pop duo called the Bonkers Conkers. He also brushed with punk where he was in Chris Peacock and the Burnt Bollocks, but he left... (laughs) He left 10 minutes into his first band practice. After attempt after attempt, he answered his calling and found God. He also felt he looked better in black anyway. So, Right. Some different stories there. Some uh, very different stories there. So we are now going to try and delve in and find out a bit more about uh, the Rev. Uh, let's go with his got range. How well do we think he can do in a fight? Sally, what's your score? Um, very badly. I'm going for eight out of a hundred. Wow. 
he would he, he would turn the other cheek and get punched on it wouldn't he but we do know that he has a bad temper we do know that potentially he has a bad temper Carrie and Curtin were genuinely scared when they accidentally drove the car when they moved the car and he was inside they were genuinely scared at his temper so I although I think physically in a fight the score has to be extremely low but if we're talking about his his potential to explode i think he could be much much higher wow that's a shocker that is okay neil what are you going for well i the same sort of reasons but i've rated him 30 because of his temper so um you know i think he's mild and mannered like you said since you said it in some of the podcasts um pal there is a there is an underside to the vicar, isn't there? There's a there's there's something there when you watch the series more and more. So I think with his temper explosions and the fact that the way he threw curtain over his shoulder on the bridge, I gave him thirty. Okay, well we've got the run the whole gamut for the scores on this one because I've gone seventy. Mm. I think I think that I was thinking about it and thinking, yeah, I think he's all mouth and trousers. I don't think. He can back it up. But that moment on the bridge when Curtin comes behind him and he, he turns like a ninja and as it has Curtin pinned and I thought mm. he's going to be, he's going to be fine. He's going to be able to, if anyone comes at him with a knife, he can just do that kind of movement and he's going to be fine. He can sort himself out. So I genuinely think you add that then to his actual boiling rage that he's got just floating under the surface and I think he's a he's a dangerous guy. I think you know, not a good guy. He's a dangerous guy. You <laughs> know, you, the way you just explain that, I can see him having his own spin-off series like Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just so travels Francis, the land. Yeah, Francis Seaton travels the world, putting you know rights to wrongs. Yeah, but he's got the devil in his pocket, just ready oh, yeah. to help. I I mean, are we all happy with our scores there? Because we've gone from eight to seventy. Um, I'll, if I may reconsider, based on your arguments, I will nudge to 20, but that's my final offer. No, that's okay. fine. That's fine. I, I like that. I like the fact, for once, you know, somebody else has been changed. Normally it's me that I listen to everybody <laughs> else and I change my score because I think, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I will nudge to 20 for his physical agility and fitness, but I still don't <laughs> think he knows how to fight. Okay, no, that's fair enough. Fair enough. No, that that is is fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, right then, Peeper. Neil, where are we going to go in regards to Peeper? Low. I just don't think he's got a minute. Even though he's got those massive bollocks, he, I don't think he's a Peeper of any sort. So it's a very low five. You okay. can't really peep in Tweed, can you? Not that I've tried it. I was going to say, Neil, can't, can't you tell us whether that's the case? I don't know. You know, an Aaron jumper would soon itch and get in your way, wouldn't it? I would assume so. You're just talking practically now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sally, what's your score for peeping? I have to say, I love the idea that you can't peep in tweed because, of course, England's posh, famous for their lack of perversion. (laughs) Exactly. We all know it, don't we? They don't get up to anything at all. Um. I am. I too am going very low for Peeper. There's no way that the Rev is a perv. Um, he is completely decorous at all times. So I'm going for a reluctant ten. I could go lower if he caught a couple in the churchyard. He'd interrupt them. I think maybe not immediately, but very shortly afterwards. And then on that basis, I will give him ten. 
That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm with you, Neil, in your score. I've gone five as well. Uh, I don't. I think he's got way too much on his plate to even think about uh, stuff like that. I think even when it comes to Polly, I don't think he's he's the slightly bit interested or just thinks about it because he's got he's got everybody else's problems on his shoulders mm. and he just hasn't got time for that kind yeah you know you know and maybe his marriage was lacking in intimacy because of his full schedule and his commitment to the community you don't know mm. yeah how, how do people picture polly that's the thing do, do you think she's like quite a glamorous lady and that or do you think she's a country type i uh, picture i picture pam Ayers. Okay. That's who I picture with like one of those um, gingham sort of frocks on. A pinny, <laughs> with a pinny. Yeah, I don't know, like a real sort of 40s <laughs> kind of. Not make, stereotypical making, at no, all. Not, not stereotypical <laughs> at all, but making I, jam. I think that Francis is all about people striving forward and improving themselves. And I think personally that he would choose a woman who had something going on more than jam, personally. Right. Yeah, because I have it in my head that she's younger than him. I don't know why. What made it, what What in the series has made me think that? But I've got this, yeah. I feel like she's got something about her. I don't, I, I feel like she's a bit more kind of dynamic because he wants that for Kerry and Curtin, remember? He wants them mm. to make something of their lives and to branch out and to, you know, learn new opinions and new perspectives and so on. And I think he probably... Has a sense of adventurousness when it comes to partners. Mm. Do you think that it's it's his decision that Polly doesn't make a, a, a appearance in the show, or do you think Polly thinks no, I, I, I don't want to be part of the documentary? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think the latter, because I think the Reverend is very keen to help the documentary and to show the church in a good light and to show his work in the good light. I think he'd be very happy to have her there, but I suspect. She thinks it's a bunch of losers who um, she doesn't want a bar of. Well, they went because I can't. Is it the aftermath episode when he's talking about Polly and the fact that she puts too much sugar in her jam? And you real he realizes what he says and he thinks, oh my god, you know, I'm you know, I'm in trouble now. So I do feel this. Yeah, there's a little bit of mm. he's 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 frightened of her a little bit. I think that that she wears the trousers. Yeah, I, I don't think that's in any question at all. I'm, I'm absolutely sure that yeah. he does not wear the trousers in any relationship he's ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he random. He doesn't even wear the trousers in his relationship with Terry and Kurt. <laughs> that is no, true. That's very true, isn't <laughs> it? When you think about it from an absolute gutter level, that is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, random acts of kindness. Um, I've gone very high on this, I've gone 85. Um, but with a caveat that I would talk about in Cockwomble. So, um, yeah, so I've gone very high, 85. He'll do every, anything for anybody, um, which is basically his job, to be honest. That's that's what he's there to do, you know. But that's, yeah, I think he, he's generally a good person. Uh, Neil, we'll go with you next. Well, I'm very similar to you. I'm 80. Um, he's forever doing random acts of kindness, isn't he? Um, he's forever helping people, but don't push him too far, as Kerry found out when she asked him to get him a load of stuff from the shop. Get him to go to the bakery was a, a push too far. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, 80 for me. Okay, Sally? 
Um, I went 90 because come on, this bloke is so kind and so selfless, helped Curtin with college, puts up with so much from Kerry, who's so unbelievably rude to him and abusive to him at various points in, in the series. Um, very long suffering with Len, very patient, always available to people, really, really wants those kids to do well for themselves, wants what's best for them. Okay. I, I only took away 10 because he had the audacity to leave them behind. Right, okay. <laughs> well, very true. Right, so the question I'll ask you, Sally, and this does link in with my score for Cockwomble, and I've said this before on the podcast when we've broke down episodes, how much of what he does is genuinely from the heart, or how much of what he does is so that people will go, ah, oh, the vicar's a good guy. It's all, it, He wants that adjuration of looking like he's doing... And I don't know whether it's because I'm cynical that you look at somebody that's doing something good and thinking, right, what's the angle? There's got to be an angle in there. I, um, it, that's an interesting question because I actually don't think that matters because I think you are what you do in life. And if you give up your time that you could be, that you could be spending on something that's just for you, if you give up your time to helping others, I don't think it matters if you get some credit for that. And I don't think it matters if being acknowledged makes you feel good. The fact is he still gives up loads of his time, genuinely cares about that community. And so I don't think it matters if he gets a lot out of it too. He should get a lot out of it too, because that's the joy of giving, right? You should get something out of it. See, that's that's a great answer, which means I've got to change my cockwomble score now. <laughs> 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 which I knew it would happen sooner or later in one of the, one of them. So um yeah, that does sort of make a lot of sense. It's just I think I think even Curtin sort of says that um the vicar's a drama queen and he loves he loves the drama so he can go in and sort the drama out. And I'll tell you, the one time is the time when he wheels Len out. And and he, and he looks... See, the trouble is I'm looking at it now from a different light. Because I always looked at it like he's going, not what look what I've done for Len, but this I've done this for Len. You know, and, and, and but looking at it from what you've said, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Because it's he's still doing thing. that for Len. Yeah, and the other thing about that is that people need to be needed, right? He needs to be needed. That is just that is just a really perfectly human flaw in his character. We've all got a million flaws. That just happens to be one of his. That doesn't necessarily mean that needing to be needed is ego-driven or malicious. It just means that he needs to feel needed in order to feel, to feel content in life. And I think if he has any flaw, it's that. But he still puts himself out of the way. And if anything happens to Len, he's devastated. You know, he doesn't, mm -hmm. he wants everyone to be fine. He's genuinely devastated when Curtin doesn't see through on college. He's genuinely gutted when Kerry and Curtin are being horrible to him and picking on him. And, you know, he's, he's really, really wounded by that. And he, he wants what's best for them. So I think if he has any flaws is that, yes, he probably needs to be needed and he needs to feel at the centre of things. But that's okay. Yeah, and also I think he's genuinely, he's genuinely upset when he feels like he's failed on in the last episode when mm. Curtin says he's not going to go and have the get the flat now, and in the, uh, yeah, yeah I, it, made, it made me look really at the whole true. thing completely different now. I feel like, like all this time I spend like I'll sort these scores out, and I know, and there's like a couple of 
wonderfully displayed sentences and I just crumble to dust. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really, really true. He, he sets himself, you know, he places quite a high bar for himself. He feels that it's his job to make those kids succeed and make something of their lives and to bring that community together. And of course, you know, it's a real uphill struggle. And if one thing goes wrong, he takes it extremely personally, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. And also he, he must have very, very thick skin because when he helps someone like Len and then all Len asks for is brassed off on DVD instead of thanking him, he, br- he has to brush himself off and just go again, doesn't he? Which, which I don't think a lot of people could do. He does. I mean, to be to be seeking the approval and the gratitude of Len is like an impossible task, <laughs> exactly. isn't it? He's such an old bastard. He's so <laughs> ungrateful. And, um, and, you know, but the fact that he knows that Len's that kind of person and he's probably never going to get that approbation from Len, but he carries on nonetheless, because the bottom line is he's an old man on his own and he wants to make sure he's all right, I think. Exactly. Ah, dear. Right. Okay. Cockwomble then. Um, we'll do your two scores first because I need to work out what my score is going <laughs> to be now. So, Sally, what's your score for Cockwomble? Ten. Okay. And pretty much for the reasons that we've just been... I think it, it, I think the worst you can say about him is he's a bit of a dick sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Which is fine because we're all dicks sometimes and everybody, the base level for any human being is ten for being a bit of a cock. Yeah, that is the best you can do in life and I don't think that he goes further beyond that sometimes he's a bit of a dick he's quite grumpy sometimes he's a bit petty sometimes he's a bit of a nag he's a bit you know he's a bit prissy sometimes but I mean it's all benign isn't it and so and and if you look at the grand scheme of things if you're looking at Martin looking at Len or you know big man like I think I think Francis is is a good egg. Mm. I think he is. Well, he's a boiled egg in the dog collar, isn't he? I mean, that's yeah, what he does. Yeah. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> Neil, what's your score? Uh, Fifteen. I'm low. There's not really. If you go back through the series, that much instance of where he's been a cockwomble, even though he he's been um, pushed where he should be. Um, you know, I mean, even when you think when he loses it with Len, he I mean, he shouts at him briefly, but he almost looks guilty about doing it, doesn't he? Yeah. So I can't see him being a full-on cockwomble apart from his little temper tantrum outbursts. Um, you can imagine when he drives off, he's regretting that he's yeah. just had a go at Len. Yeah, he probably is. He's probably, you know, what can I do to make it up to him? And that sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, and any any responsibility places in Kerry and Curtin, they never, they never deliver on it, do they? There's always something, you know, they mm. kill something or you know, whatever. And so he's very very long suffering, let's face it. He is. And I mean, go back to June. I mean, when he lent her the hose or the uh, sprinkler, he had every opportunity to be a cotwomble early on, but he let that ride for a while, didn't it? It took a long time for him to you know, to finally stand up for himself with it. And to be fair, when he did stand up, there were a lot of things. It wasn't that that made him have a go at June. There were a lot of things going on that that built up to it. So, well, I've gone 10 as well. So, Neil, I can't believe that you went as high as 15 (laughs) on Cockwomble because Sally and I, I mean, we both think he's 10. What was your original score, by chance? 75. (laughs) 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 Yeah. 75 was my original score. 
which I have now scratched off so much that my pen isn't working. So, um, yeah. So, so I, suggestible. I agree with Sally 100%. Uh, so, Neil, I can't believe. I think you should knock yours down to 10 with us. No, really. I'll stand firm. The fact that he loses his temper quite quickly means well, he gets an extra 5%. But he does. But he doesn't do anything really no, with it does he it'd be 20 if he does something with it wouldn't it <laughs> I, I suppose so i suppose so but yeah also, it, sorry can i just interject yeah here? the other thing that's very important about the rev is that he sees martin 100 percent for who martin is he absolutely knows what martin is but knows how important it is to preserve that scrap of love that Kerry's hanging on to. Yeah. And he knows that he has to tread carefully around it. So whereas Curtin, obviously, Curtin completely sees Martin for what he is, even though he slightly wants his approval. Curtin will shake his head and say, for God's sake, you know. But but the Rev knows that he has to preserve that tiny bit of love that she has because otherwise she will implode. She will, you know, she will just mm. completely fall in. Um, but completely has Martin's number. He knows exactly what Martin is. He's great yeah. right for him. And that's, that's the scene that I think, out of all the scenes that I've said I'd love to see, is the, what, the, what Martin and the Rev in one scene together would be like this country's version of De Niro and Pacino in Heat. Yes. It'd be, it'd be <laughs> that scene that everybody has been waiting for because I think it would be interesting to see, A, what Martin's dynamic would be talking to the Rev, because I don't think he'd be all bullshy and like he normally is. I don't think he'd have that. He wouldn't be able to play that with the Rev because the Rev, like you say, has got his number. It'd be fascinating to see them chatting like in the, in the pub, you know, just over a table. It'd be I... interesting. I love that. I think that's really true because I don't think Martin would start talking about having to go on the Big Dipper. And so I don't think Martin would would do the sexual bravado stuff and not because he's a man of the cloth, but because he knows that it doesn't wash. Yeah. And I think that's true. I think he would be a lot more timid. He wouldn't give it the big Martin McClough act. And he knows that the vicar is not impressed and that knows what he's up to and is cleverer than he is. And I think... He's he's one of the only people in the whole village who's who's not impressed. He's not impressed at all by Martin. And so yeah, I agree that would be a great scene. And if Martin hasn't got that, what has he got? What what has he got that he can talk to talk about or have a go at someone for? He just hasn't got any more ammunition. It he's would be got fascinating. A shot port cake. That's exactly. it. He's That's got a it. shot port cake. That's it. Because as soon as um uh Curtin had a go at him, you know all the gear, no idea. He looked like he was about to cry. He had nothing he could come back on that. It would be fascinating. It re- Daisy, Charlie, if you're listening, just that one scene for a comic relief or or, or something. Just that, I would love it. it would you be almost you almost want the kind of Finchy moment, don't you? You want That's... the you, you want the moment at the at the office party. Yeah. When Finchy takes the piss out of Brent's girlfriend and Brent tells Finchie to F off and you're like it's the moment of the whole of the office isn't it yeah and, and when Curtin pulls up Martin in that scene you describe or if we ever got to see the Rev do it it's just such a triumphant moment because Martin is such a wrong and yeah. absolutely needs to be belittled and humiliated and dismissed like he's nothing in the way that Finchie was yeah yeah and I've always said that, that Kerry should have that moment with Martin as well yeah, uh, which, which I, I thought was going to come out in series three. I really thought, but it, but it didn't, you know, but uh, yeah, that's, um, 
that's a scene that I think we should all love to see. Uh, right, final um, category, having a laugh. Uh, Neil, what's your score for well, having a I've scored him 40, but I, I do think it could be higher, but I'm trying to work out how. The fact is, I think he does enjoy a good laugh. He just doesn't have the opportunity to have the laugh that he would like from the series. And that's that's where I'm looking at it. So, yeah, 40, I'm afraid. He's okay. not He's not, not got a sense of humour. I think he's got a great sense of humour. Just don't think he gets the chance to use it and have it very often. Okay. Uh, right, well, I've gone 35. Um, I think he's also, he hasn't got anybody really that he communicates with the same age as him. Mm. So his sense of humour isn't going to be the same sense of humour that that Curtin or Kerry or Len or anybody else has. So I think he's just got his own little pocket of humour um, that, again, I don't think he really has a chance to share with anybody. So I've gone pretty much the same as you, Neil. Um, Sally? Uh, very similar reasoning at this end. I felt very similarly to you. I was trying to imagine the Reverend having a laugh and thinking, what would he be doing? And then I thought, I reckon he probably loves Billy Connolly and he probably loves Jasper Carrot. And he, you know, like he's, I imagine he just quite likes watching stand up and finds it hilarious, has nobody to watch it with. And I think he probably listens to Radio 4 comedy and and titters away on his own um but he he's one of those people who i think's probably got a really good sense of humor but isn't funny yeah mm, yeah, yeah i know what you mean yeah so what score would you give him for having a laugh um i gave him 35 same as Ooh. one of you 35 wow. yeah same yeah. as neil okay i also think i reckon and i know that i'm saying this because i've been watching a lot of it lately but carry on films i got a feeling that you would like love carry on films and things like dick emery and people like that, really old school. Some mothers do have them. Those kind of 70s, you know, not the un-PC 70s comedies, but the, I suppose all comedies were un, were very un-PC in those days. But uh, uh, maybe, right. having, um, maybe having a bit of a laugh to all the religious gags on Dave Allen, you know, when Dave yeah, Allen yeah. sit in the stool and, and take the piss out of Vicar. So I think the Vicar would probably find that highly amusing. Yeah, I think so. Uh, right. I Well, I feel like I've learnt more about the reverend now after going through that <laughs> and i and I'm, I'm genuinely thankful for it as well because there was always a part of me that like didn't like part of the reverend because of the reasons that i said i felt that he was very this is i'm doing this because of me not because i'm helping the person so sally thank you for that because you've made me fall in love with the reverend a bit more now I'm really I feel- about that because i've always loved the reverend and I think, I think genuinely, it's one of the performances of the programme. Oh, absolutely. The performance is gorgeous. I think it's so, it's so small um, from Paul Shahidi. It's so, it, it's so understated and small and lots of acting with eyes and tiny gestures. You know, it's, it's, a, really, it's a really modest performance and I think it's so beautifully done. Um, and I think he's he, he's a brilliant character. I feel like out of everybody, he's the, he's the one who's brought so much that isn't in the script to that character. Yeah, yeah, I completely mm. agree. And he's also one of the people that you couldn't imagine now anybody else playing that. True. You know, True. it's it, he he definitely made it his own. And the fact, I mean, I was this is what I, mean, I always felt I was fighting against myself because Paul Shahidi is one of the nicest people I think I've ever spoken to or ever met. Um, and then to sort of feel this little bit of negativity towards the character, I just, I just never liked it. So I don't, I, I feel like I've, that's sort of been 
I've um, battled over that now. So uh... I almost feel like when you look at the other performances, even though you look at obviously Big Mand and you think what a delicious performance that she's having with that, you know, she's really enjoying herself. I feel like all the characters in this country, you can almost hear Daisy and Charlie laughing as they're writing the words. Whereas I feel like the Reverend... You can see half of it, but you feel like half of it has come with Paul. Mm. And and I think that's quite interesting. He's he's made that character quite specifically his, I think. Yeah, I yeah, completely absolutely. agree. Yeah. Right, so these are the scores that we've got so far. Uh, got Range, 40. Peeper, 7. Random Acts of Kindness, 85. Cockwomble, 12. Whew, that's a bullet dodge there for me i'm glad i <laughs> changed my score uh and having a laugh 37 so um that's our scores uh we will now pass that over to our listeners so neil do you want to let the listeners know how they can yes. get their scores to us absolutely so you can send your scores to us over via the social network platforms under this country pod uh, while you're at it, please do give us a tick, a like, or whatever it is, and do comment away and follow. You can email us uh, your scores to wtafthiscountry at hotmail.com. Likewise, you can email us with any questions or that you may have. Wonderful. Um, we worked out as we're recording this, this, this when this podcast goes out, I think we've got 21 weeks left uh, before we finish. I just wanted to say, Sally, this is, I think, your fourth time you've been with us now. <laughs> It is the fourth time. So I would just like to say thank you so much for giving us your time those four times. I mean, to be fair, we never thought we'd get someone like you to talk to us once, let alone four times. Um, so with the fact that like the, the podcast is going to be ending in November, we just wanted to say a massive thank you uh, just for your generosity and your time and for sharing your passion of the show with us um, four times now. So thank you for that. It's my absolute pleasure. It's been a joy to get to know you both. Oh, bless oh, you. Thank you so bless much. You. And, and how, how have things been? I know that we're sort of slowly coming out of this sort of nightmare of lockdown and that. Is it are things sort of slowly getting back to normal for you? I mean, like, who knows? You start thinking it is and then it's not. You know, I've got a, I've got a wedding in a couple of weeks. Who knows if it will happen? Who knows if I'll be going to that wedding? So, you know, I'm kind of I'm I am one of life's optimists. I generally am not a worrier, and so of course I'm thinking things will get there. Things will get there. And I've been twice jabbed, and that was like a monumental, uh, kind of monumentally optimistic moment for me. And so proud of all the people delivering the jabs and all of the system. And so as angry and fed up as I get with the government with people's behavior whatever it is the moment you go and get those jabs you just feel so proud and so overwhelmingly happy and lucky to be here so yeah i felt surprisingly emotional when i, I had my jabs well. which i wasn't quite i was i was expecting like a relief but i was wasn't expecting to get i didn't know whether it was a jab that was doing it to me it was one of the side effects i had to check and see <laughs> I think it's just like the incredibly well-oiled machine of it. After feeling like you were living in chaos for a year, suddenly yeah. to walk into wherever it is, a leisure centre, a school or whatever it is, and it's this incredibly well-oiled machine manned by such cheerful 
skilled, enthusiastic people who, and then this collective sense of them being the solution, the end of the problem. I, I felt really overwhelmed by it. Everyone was just so lovely and so together in their goal that I, I just, yeah, I was like you. I, I felt slightly overcome by it and just really, really proud of our health service. Really Absolutely. proud of them. Yeah, Absolutely. what a fantastic job they've done. Absolutely. Um, well, Sally, thank you so much once again for joining us. Um, it's been uh, <coughs> lovely, like I said, to chat to you these four times. It's been awesome. <laughs> feel, feel greedy that we've had you four times. This just doesn't seem right. But uh, yeah, so thank you very much for that, Sally. Um, and to everybody else, um, if you, we are still going to be doing our weekly uh, Patreon Zoom get-togethers every Wednesday, uh, even when the podcast is finished. So if you want to join us on Patreon, go to patreon.com uh, forward slash WTAF uh, and help support the podcast and everything else. We've got, we've got a few plans for 2020 two that's next year isn't it? Yeah, it yeah is. yeah with uh with something quite big so we're not going to say anything about it now but just to let you know that if you're a patreon subscriber you will get first news and first information about all of that i'm hoping in... you're going to do another show i'm hoping you're going to pick another tv program to obsess with. well we've possibly we've, we've possibly. got ideas we've got ideas um yeah there are certain things that we are thinking about so who knows uh, you know, if we can get to be friends with people in the show and have everybody that's in the show on the podcast, that'd be wonderful. But I don't think that's ever going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you, you never know. know. You never know. You never know. I must also say there are still a few tickets left to our live show on uh, November the 26th at the Sundial Theatre, Siren Sister, where we will be saying the big farewell live. Indeed. Not only now is that our last live show, that is now our last podcast episode as well. So it all ties in nicely together. Uh, And also come and give us a rating and review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Um, Let's see if we can get number 12 in the Netherlands, not the Holland, the Netherlands. Mm. Apple podcast chart. That's it. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Sally, once again. Yes, thank you, Sally. Thank you, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, everybody. Go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.